Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the club who have started clearing the decks ahead of next season. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Hello Laurie Dunsire, this is Mark Donaldson, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it, keep it formal, keep it professional. No, 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 no problem. I was, I was, I was envious of you, like I was pretty much every weekend when Hearts played and and you were there and and we weren't. But I was envious of you last week because you got to go back to the football. You you went with, uh, you went with a couple of pals. Uh, what was it like just being back at the football, not having to work and and being able to enjoy a pint? It was, it was very pleasant actually. Yes, I went to. Johnston Borough, uh, who had a friendly at home to Cumnock Juniors, uh, so that was uh, we were able to attend there because it's uh, Renfrew or Renfrewshire, but it's not Glasgow anyway. So they were still able to ah. have um, they were still able to have people inside pubs and they were still able to to have people at the football. So yeah, we went through and it was it was it was decent actually. It was a, it was a novelty. Obviously, I've uh, I've been to games, but not in a, as you say, not in a relaxed um, atmosphere where we had a couple of beers before. And the the two guys I went th- with, who are who are Hearts fans, they've not been to the football for well over a year, so they were very keen to try and take in a game with with matches starting up again. So it it was good. A um, couple of sort of old man boozers, um, where you they did have. To be fair, they had their precautions in place but it was old school i mean the pubs i've went to in edinburgh have been you know scanning a qr code to check in whereas this was a handed a handed a book and you wrote your name in and your mobile number in a book just Hmm. uh just for track and trace obviously Um, johnston borough sounds like one of these common hipster names for a boy that some of the hipsters <laughs> like to call their kids. Oh, the, I mean, gone are the days where like Jack and Victor and, and all these kind of normal first names. Now it's like, yes, still, this is my son. The still game cast, are you? Yeah, exactly. To try and, to try and give it that kind of essence. Of, and Winston. Um, <laughs> but but now, yeah, this is my son, Johnston Borough. Yes. Um, anyway, it's, it's, I, it, I, I, I digress. It doesn't feel like a, a posh place. We'll put it that way. No, but, no, um... no. That, see, that... We used to go to Kilmarnock, and I know it's not Renfrewshire, but the way that Pennycook Hearts bus used to go to Kilmarnock was was the back roads. I think it was the old A71 and down that way. And we used to stop in, uh, we passed, uh, I think it's Loudon Gauff Club, which I think is the only, or one of the only, must be the only one, that spelled Gauff as opposed to golf. It's still got the original spelling. And then um, we stopped in a little place. Is it New Mills or New Mills? Um, not far from. There's from a new mains. Um... Yeah, let's let's have a wee look as I talk. But we used to go there and play pool and whatever and have a good time. And it's just when you're talking about being back in pubs and and um, we're going to go back in time for today's episode. We're going to go back a a decade um for today's episode. Um, and just you speaking about being back in pubs and and not having to to kind of worry about too much. Um, and just some semblance of normality, but. New Milnes or, or see New Milnes and I've heard of that. Let's have a look. New Milnes Ayrshire. Uh, yeah, New New Milnes. Okay. Um, 
It's it's about ten miles, I think, outside um, Kilmarnock. New Milnes and Greenholm is a small borough in East Ayrshire. Okay. Um, so it's basically Allenton, Darville, New Milnes, Galston, Harlford, and then the Kilmarnock. The only way, I mean, most times you go to Kilmarnock, you go MAM77, but because we're going from Pennycook, um, I think it was just easier to, to, to do the A71. Um, and that's, that's the way we went. So New Milnes was always our kind of, our pre-game, um, trip to, to Kilmarnock, our pre-match boozer. So the talk of, of you and pre-match boozers again, it's got me excited. Uh, ahead of the new season. I still don't know. Once once Jimmy Cranky sorts our shit out and, and decides if we're allowed to come back into the country, never mind. Um, I mean, that's not even anywhere near a priority right now, and neither it should be. It's all about trying to sort out what's going on in Scotland, and hopefully she can do that. Um, but then eventually, hopefully, um, I'll be able to to, to come back and, and see my, my parents, who I've not seen for over uh, two years, and hopefully it can coincide with a, a trip to the football and a pre-match boozer. That's what we're all hopeful for. Indeed. And it does feel like it's uh, within sight. Uh, you, Mark's right. We will be doing, um, we're having a bit of a nostalgic episode in terms of the main content. We're going to look back 10 years, uh, uh, season 2010-2011. Um, we're going to have a, a look back at that and, and how that, transpired what happened during that campaign for hearts uh, but before we get to that i just want to quickly mention mark um hearts released their uh, season ticket kind of campaign uh, since we were last on and that was accompanied by a fantastic promotional video i thought uh, really well put together with the dulcet tones of a certain craig gordon who just has just has everything going for him, doesn't he? Um, she, if, if he wasn't such a good goalkeeper, he'd probably just get the commentary gig with a with a voice like that. But uh, I, I thought it was really good, and um, I know it's you know when it comes to the actual season tickets, we're commenting. You know, both of us are commenting from as people who aren't directly affected because neither of us have season tickets for different reasons. But I thought both the video itself captured things really well and they seem to have on the whole done quite a good job in putting something out there that you know they, they were never going to be able to do a mother well with the generosity that they offered their season ticket holders but I thought they it was a very good balance. It was nice to see a post that the official account had put out and 99% of the responses were positive. Um, I mean, I wasn't talking about the football, obviously, but I thought the video was absolutely outstanding. And it had the hairs on the back of the neck standing on end. And I know you say we don't have season tickets. I still pay for my mum and dad's season tickets every year. I just want to do something. I, I, I give to the foundation. I'm over here and I can't go, but at least I can I can do something. And, and to see, I mean, I think it was just yesterday. It was like we've, we've reached a thousand Today, it was like we've reached 2,000 yeah. already. So that was in the space of, of 24 hours. So that's great to see. Um, there was a poll that I saw on um, on one of the, the Twitter accounts earlier about saying if we could get more fans in to begin with, if games were at Murrayfield and not Tynecastle, mm -hmm. would that be something that fans would be interested in? I think it, was, it looked like it was like a 55-45 mm -hmm. yes to no. It's just interesting. I mean, is it the case it's going to be a percentage of, or do we still not really know how it's going to play out um, when, because you can't really have 
what is it, twelve to 15,000 going to games at the Euros. And if there's no issues there, you can't say, well, we're not having any anybody going to the... The the what is it called? It's not the Petrofac Cup. What Premier? What's the the league? League Premier, Cup called these days? Premier Sports Cup. Oh, it's Premier Sports Cup. They yeah, sponsored. Sponsor. Yeah, by <clears throat> by the broadcaster. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so 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 basically, the Premier Sports will pick whoever um, to show that's playing Rangers or Celtic Cup. Um, so <laughs> I noticed they picked their own. They picked their early games. We've got a couple. Both the games at Time Castle um, are are being shown, uh, which. I don't know. Surely, it's easy to it's easy for them to broadcast there because all the equipment's um, available and it's just a trip along the M8 or whatever they're based. Um, it's the old Satanta mob, isn't it? Just rebranded, uh, I believe. Yes, ultimately, yeah, that's where it was. That's where it came from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Murrayfield and Tynecastle is there? Is it a percentage thing that they're going to be doing? I don't know. I don't think that's been confirmed because up until now. The rules have been just numbers, um, so you're allowed. You're only allowed up to a certain amount for an event. I think it's been like, is it five hundred or something? Um, so it's not been, as far as I'm aware, when you look at the actual Scottish lockdown rules, it's been numbers. But th- this is where it gets a bit, I think, a bit frustrating and a bit hypocritical is the fact that they have these such strict rules and they say you can't bend them for anything but they're clearly having to bend them for the euros because they exactly. knew because they knew that they basically got told by uefa if you don't let this amount of fans into the games we'll take them somewhere else um so that is a bit frustrating and the the uefa ones or the the euros ones are based on percentage i believe aren't they it's like a quarter isn't it it's or like 40 it's, yeah, sorry it's like 20, yeah, 25 percent or 20 percent but that hasn't been the case up until now with the, the football the football has been like outdoor events or in or st- i've forgotten the wording but it's like i'm sure it was 500 up until now it's maybe a thousand when we go into level one um so i don't Which know you're 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 going to be going into from from east lothian um but people from mid lothian and city of edinburgh are are going to be staying put i believe like i think it's important to kind of see both sides of the story here and it doesn't matter what they do. There's going to be people unhappy at the decisions that have been made. I wouldn't want to make the decision. I wouldn't want to be responsible or culpable for for making. I mean, mistakes are going to be made. There's there's no precedent for this. And and they'll look back when hopefully the dust has settled and, and think, yeah, we got that wrong or or we did that. But it's so hard right now to to. I mean. I told you the story just before we came on air. A friend of mine um, who was a year below me at school, Craig Meekle, um, owns a, a soft play and the football centre at Mayfield. But because Mayfield uh, near Dalkeith is classed as uh, is Midlothian, um, it's just on the border of, of kind of East Lothian. It's about five minutes away. But he can have people... Uh, he's going to stay closed, but he can see people live next door to, to his soft play and football centre down at... Um, at Mayfield, and they can pretty much leave the house, go down five minutes down the road to East Lothian to do the same, yet he's going to stay closed. And they were talking about the, the, the cup final, how people in Asda, Tory Glen, just uh, across the road from Hamden, I mean, you can have people in there um, in an indoor arena, yet you couldn't have people in an outdoor arena. It's tough. It, it's tough because there's different numbers elsewhere. But again, I wouldn't want to be in charge of, of making the decision. I just... 
I just like to think they got more things right than they got wrong. Although right now, from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, I'm not sure that's the case. Indeed, we won't we won't dwell too much on the the politics of of lockdown and and such like at the moment. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some clarity over the next month or so about what numbers could be in uh, for the start of the season or the start of the Premier Sports Cup. Um, but for now, we're going to take a bit of time to look back uh, 10 years. So uh, at this point, 10 years ago, Hearts had just finished season 2010-2011. And in fact, it was 11 years ago today that Kevin Kyle signed, who would join Hearts before that season. And we wanted to have a look back at this campaign because although it won't be remembered as such as much as the next campaign in terms of how it ended, um, there were some big moments in this campaign and it really did set the foundations, I suppose, for the success that would come uh, a year after the season ended. So we're going to take a trip down memory lane and look back to season 2010-2011. Okay, so... I guess we'll set the scene a little bit ahead of this one. So we're talking 11 years ago now when the, the campaign was um, going to start. But I suppose the big the big thing that happened in advance of this was the managerial change at Tynecastle because midway through the previous season, so 2009-2010, uh, Shabba Laszlo had been removed as manager and... Um, very quickly had been replaced by Jim Jeffries, who returned to the club after uh, some time away. It would have been a decade away, in fact, mm. when, it, when he left in 2000, originally for Bradford City. Um, Shabalazo had been the longest-serving manager of the Romanov era at that point, but had apparently grown frustrated due to lack of funds for new players. His side were sitting fifth at the time, so this is January 2010, this was after a 3-0 loss to Aberdeen at Tynecastle in what would be his final game in charge. Um, looking back at the managerial change, it's it's a difficult one this period, because I would say maybe 2008, 2010 was probably the least I've been bothered about Hearts in the time I've been following them, I, I, was, I did move away from the area briefly and I was then at uni, which meant a lot of weekend work, so it didn't help things. But I remember the, the Shabalazo period and I suppose before it, the likes of the Frail and Korobochka period, it, it wasn't the best. And even though there was success under Shabalazo, uh, it wasn't a time where you were drawn to um, the football so much if you had other no. things on, was it? No, no, and when you sent the idea through that this is the season that you wanted to look back on, um, I thought it was a good idea, and it gave me a chance to kind of look back, in addition to the notes that you kindly sent, at some of the things that, that happened. Um, the, the Jim Jeffries back for, for Shabba Lazlo, I'm, I'm amazed Laszlo lasted as long as he did, um, given the, he, he was very... Not so much outspoken, but he, spoke, he just spoke a lot. He just um, spoke shite, didn't he? <laughs> well, yeah. But it was hard to edit. I mean, you got plenty for the newspapers, got got plenty copy, but for, for us radio guys, um, what was it, 2010. So I'd left, 
I'd left top 107 and two. So I was at Sky Sports um, News. So that on the Friday, the 29th of January, that was the bizarre day that normally you get the statement from the club. Uh, ex-manager has left. In this case, it's Chabalaslo. And then the speculation begins. Who's going to be next? That day was chaotic because when we were based or where we were based when I was doing stuff for, for Sky Sports News was in Blythewood Square in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So I'd already got through there that day because I usually did the Rangers or the Celtic pre-match press conferences, whichever one was the earlier one, and then went back to the, the office um, to, uh, to, to, to edit it. And then the word came through that, that Chabalazla was was gone. I'd be lying if I said that I knew it was coming or, or anybody did, because I can't actually remember around that time if there was speculation saying that he was in trouble. There was certainly no speculation about Jim Jeffries, because Jim had left Kilmarnock um, a few weeks earlier with, with Billy Brown. But it was never a kind of case of, oh, I wonder if Hearts will go for, for Jim and Billy again, because mm-hmm. Chabalaslo, that's what makes me think there wasn't really that much speculation around at the time. There might have been some that his future was in jeopardy. I don't recall a specific interview that was maybe given in which he criticised Romanov or, or whatever he did. But whatever happened, so I'm through in Glasgow, and then the, the word comes through. So I got, someone else did the editing. I came back through to to Edinburgh to find out what was going on. And again, without being able to recall everything I did that day, because I remember some of it, because I remember going to the press conference, which I believe was at night. I think it was like six o'clock or something like that, because I remember it was held upstairs. So you went through the main door, straight up the stairs, and into the, the kind of director's suite, and all the stuff was was laid out. So it was just a whirlwind of a day because we had two massive stories, not just one. You don't normally get two in one day from the same club, but we did that day. Laszlo gone. And I just remember sitting chatting, doing the one-on-one with, with Jim after the press conference. We took him up to the stand and he just he just wanted a couple of minutes before we started the interview just to look out and go, I think he said something, not on camera, just to, to kind of when we were the, the preamble chat. It's like, I've missed this place. It's, it's been a long time. And he was absolutely thrilled to be back. Um, but as far as crazy days are concerned, we've all had them following hearts and me following them in the media. That was up there with a, a kind of bizarre whirlwind. How quickly everything happened yeah. um, was the thing for me that day. And I, I never got the chance. No one did the chance to say kind of farewell to Chaba. And I don't even recall, Laurie, if he went Back, or he was invited, kind of back to when he picked up his things. To clean his to <laughs> yeah, to clear it. Seriously, I don't know if he got the chance to see the players or or say farewell. Um, I, I I don't know um, because it just happened so quickly. <laughs> One of those when he's when you know uh, they go to break the news and they bring the security with them because they know they're going to have to escort the person out <laughs> as soon as they yeah, do. Exactly. Here's your contents. You can, uh, <laughs> we provide you with the box. Here it is. Now hurry up. Um, so uh, Jeffrey's signed Ryan Stevenson actually before the transfer window shut uh, so just a couple of days after joining um, 25 year old from Air United who were in the first division at the time he would also name Marius Zaljuk's captain that was uh, at the end of the season after Michael Stewart departed and he moved to Turkey at that point and ahead of his first full season back so he steadied the ship a little bit in that few months they had before the end of his uh, well the end of that first campaign but ahead of his first full season back 
just have a look at the changes in the team. Signed uh, Adrian Morovich, uh Stephen Elliott, Kevin Kyle. As I mentioned, 11 years ago today, it was 3rd of June 2010 that happened. Uh, Darren Barr. Uh, Rudy Scatchell would follow later uh, in September that season. And then in January, Andy Webster. So in January of 2011, he would return as well. And he managed to get rid of uh, David Vitevin, Jose Goncalves, Larry Kingston, and as I mentioned, Michael Stewart. So not wholesale changes, but certainly some key changes to the side. Um, the season, it was an inconsistent start. At four wins in the first 10 SPL matches, uh, knocked out of the League Cup in a very dramatic game against Falkirk in September. Um, it meant by November, Hearts were mid-table, trailing both Motherwell and Inverness. They were level on points with Dundee United. Of course, Rangers and Celtic were occupying the top two spots. Uh, before we get into how things changed, I mean, it was interesting one key signing that happened after that first month. It was the September signing of a certain Rudy Scatchell. And mm-hmm. it's funny when I think back to this because, you know, there would become a time after that where no matter how old Rudy Scatchell got, we all got excited about the prospect. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, how many times was he linked to a return again after that second spell? But I do remember when he signed in September, I wasn't against it, but I remember thinking, is it going to work again? You know, he's coming back. He's, he, he'd had a decent spell afterwards with the likes of Southampton and he, he played in, in Germany as well. But for the couple of years before he returned, he'd not been playing very often. He he was a bit part player for Slavia and then didn't play much in Greece. He was with Larissa, who, who then, um, I think it was a mutual termination of his contract there so he's a free agent having just been playing for a a team in Greece who I knew nothing about I wasn't not that I wasn't I wasn't thrilled like you would be when you think about what happened what you should feel like maybe when Rudy Scatchell comes back so it is funny when you think about that because when a player first comes back you're like is he gonna is he is he gonna do his his legacy a disservice here by by coming back and he's not going to be the same player I want to talk about him more as we go on. I just want to speak about the fixtures. And, and like we're waiting right now for the new fixtures ahead of the the, the the season, St. Johnston at home, Hamilton away, and Dundee United at home. I mean, that that was a decent start, including a, a home um, League Cup tie against Elgin. So to take only five points from those three games and the, the, the only win came away from home, um, it, was, it was a kind of mixed start. As you said, that Dundee United game was my last one. Then we lost at Celtic um, at the beginning of, of September after the international break. And it's not like they hit the ground running. Um, a win at, at Inverness. We, we seem to be better away from home because I'm just looking at this. In the league, we didn't beat St. Johnston. We didn't beat Dundee United. We lost at home to Motherwell. We lost at home to Rangers. My God, it was Rudy's hat-trick on the 23rd of October against St Mirren that gave us our first home league win of the season. And that was mid to end of October. That's not very good. No, it it was an indifferent start. And uh, I think a lot of it comes down to, I know Jeffrey's um, in October uh, tweaked his formation and moved to, you can either call it a four-three-three or a four-five-one formation. And it, it, I, wonder, I wonder if that was the, the sorry, Laurie. I wonder if that was the game at Aberdeen because after that game against Aberdeen, 
We won six out of seven. Sorry, including that game against Aberdeen, we won six out of seven. Do you know which particular game it was that he tweaked his formation? Because that was the 16th of October. And we went on a run, beat Aberdeen, beat St Mirren, lost at home to Killy 3-0. I remember that one because that was the first time he played against Killy, I think, since he left. Uh, no, he would have played at the end of last season. And then we won at Hebs, we beat Celtic, won at St Johnston and beat Hamilton. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you're, you're jumping well ahead, but yeah, it was uh, the 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 Hibs game is the big one I remember from from that because we yeah we were, had a couple of decent results then with that really devastating uh, game against Kilmarnock where we got taken apart at Tynecastle and lost three 0 But the game after uh, Hearts travelled to Easter Road to play Hibs, and this is this is the game that I suppose that seen as the catalyst, the one that kicked off this really incredible run that would come after it. And um, I mean, I'll have a quick look. This is the team that I, I keep thinking of when I look at that sort of four-three-three or a four-five-one formation, which started away to Hibs on the seventh of November. So this is Marianne Kello in goals, Egbert mm-hmm. Johnson right back, uh, Ruben uh, Palazuelos uh, left back, um, Ismail Buzid alongside Marius Alukas in the centre of defence. Ruben at left back, yeah, yeah, he had to cover I'm there. So, yeah, I'm so used to kind of remembering him as a playing in the centre of midfield, but he did have that kind of spell when he had to cover, didn't he, at left-back? It's because, uh, yeah, Lee Wallace was um, was out injured at this point, so Palazuelos was covering there. Then the midfield is interesting. He's got um, Adrian Morovitz in the centre, and then Skatchel and Black alongside him, and obviously Black is quite a standard central midfielder, but you've got Skatchel, who is anything but. He will do his own thing. And then Templeton and Stephen Elliott um, supporting Kevin Kyle. So Kevin Kyle was seen as a lone striker, but it was really a, a, a lot of points in a lot of games. It was a 4-3-3 with Elliott and Templeton alongside Kevin Kyle. And I thought we'd be good. So we'll have a quick listen back because um, this game uh, sees a, a very impressive goal. Uh, 19 minutes in. Let's have a listen. Yeah. It's David Templeton. Templeton. Good progress here. Stephen Elliott up there with him. It opens up for Templeton. Wonderful goal. Hearts are first to show in the Edinburgh Derby. Individual inspiration from David Templeton. So this is a this is a belter. This is 19 minutes in at Easter Road, and and David Templeton picks up on the halfway line, and. <laughs> waltzes through the Hibs team almost <clears throat> before slowing it home. Now he, it's it's a brilliant goal and he does really well. But looking back at it's five, I think it's five Hibs players um, involved in uh, around Templeton. But there's not really one challenge on him the entire way. He carries the ball for basically an entire half of the field. 21 years old at the time. We got him from Stenhouse Muir, and and that you kind of just thought, right, he's gonna he's gonna kick on from here. It was a brilliant goal, and he had, I think he had all the attributes. And you'd have to ask David; it'd be an interesting conversation if we were ever to get him on. Um, I don't think he could say that he fulfilled the potential that he showed, but who does? I mean, I, when you see how his career panned out. Maybe it's just one or two decisions that that were made along the way that, given the opportunity to make them again, he, he may have done something differently. But and he was after, he, to be fair though, I mean he was he was rather forced out 
um, in the end, not by fans, but by I think the hierarchy at the time when he was sold to to Rangers. Yeah. I think he was basically told, "You have to accept that we need the money. Yeah, now. It, it, we it, need it, it now." Yeah. The, the, the certain decisions that he would have made and other decisions that would have been made for him and he just didn't really have much of a choice. I just thought, I mean, around that time, when he got a kind of full head of steam and he, he, that wasn't a surprise, it was a great goal, but you look at the ability he has and if there was one player on that team, apart from Rudy Scantle, um, that you were to say would score a goal like that, you, you, would, you would say David Templeton. And, well, Rudy Scantle would run for... Half of the field, would he? He probably would have no. shot from the halfway line before he done that. Maybe, but but Templeton at twenty one. Um, I just I, I don't know. Just another um, another time in another kind of another part of Hearts history. If he kind of came through like he did, um, it may have been it may have been different. I, I I don't know. I just I, he had something. He really did have something, and and that, that was an easy win. Um, down there 2-0 it was 2 it could have been more it was a very comfortable win that game yes indeed I, I mean um, I believe this is the game I think this is the game where at 1-0 67 minutes this is a game I think I've told the story before where for some reason there was a I think there was four of us there that game and I went to get a pie, and we, we we were quite intoxicated for that match. And I decided when I got to the front that I would get everyone juice and everyone snacks. Don't know why. Just um, so I think I'd been waiting for about fifteen minutes to get that. Came back to the seat, and as I got back there, um, Ismail Boozid floats a free kick forward from about the halfway line. Kevin Kyle knocks it on into the box from about twenty-five yards from goal. Templeton touches it on. Elliot in his first start for Hart smashes it home from a few yards. And everyone just knocked everything into the air and juicing <laughs> snacks just went everywhere. Um, so it was a waste of my waste of fifteen minutes and twenty quid or something, but you don't care in the moment and, and no, that was two 0 no. I've just I've had a look at one of their players and I'll be honest, I've never heard of this guy before. Okay? He was a player on loan from Middlesbrough, whose other permanent clubs were Oldham, Birmingham, and Swindon. He also went on loan to Norwich, Chesterfield, Yeovil, and Bolton. He was a left-back. I have never heard of Jonathan Grounds. I've heard of him. Uh, I remember the name. Uh, not in a way that I would remember much about him as a, as a footballer. That was, I mean, this was... This was the Calderwood era at Hibs, where they were very disconnected, and it was uh, it was kind of a conveyor belt of of non entities, wasn't it? The players that failed yeah. to do much at the club. I mean, so so Bamba played uh, Michael Hart, the other fullback, Edwin de Graaf. I mean, Ryden got sent off. Ryden got sent. Single. Yeah, Ryden got sent off um, for a shocker. For being Ryden. Basically, two minutes to go, he he, he goes right through the back of Rudy yep, Scatcher because. It's it's all he could think of doing, um, but it, it does get this it does get this almost iconic moment because after Derek Ryden gets sent off, Rudy Scatchell has to get treatment because it was a shocker of a tackle, and of course he has to get treatment at the nearest sideline, which is in front of the <laughs> the main stand at Easter Road. So Rudy Scatchell is is not very popular in those parts, and he's got you know this lighters and all sorts coming raining down on him. 
and and he just turns and puts the L sign on his head <laughs> as he looks as he looks to the Hibs fans. And it was a it was a nasty it was a nasty tackle, um, and I'm glad he was okay. You you, you speak about a kind of disconnect and and and, and Collywood's team didn't really have um, an identity. I look at that Hearts team, Laurie. For this particular game, and I know we'll speak about the, the rest of the season and, and other games, but if you just showed me that team and didn't tell me exact season or what game, but said, who do you think was the manager? Which manager do you think that team would kind of best suit to the style that that manager plays? 99% of the time, you would say Jim Jeffries. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the crux of, of that team, right? So you've got a spine. You've got strength, you've got height, and you've got power. You've got Bouzid and Mrovietz, who was a big boy. Kevin Kyle, who Jim always loved, the kind of the big striker. Um, Stephen Elliott playing off him. You had your talent, and Jim didn't have any issue whatsoever. I'm not saying he was he was Wimbledon circa 88, um, just to kind of get the ball and hoof it long. He wasn't. There was talent there, and Scatchell and Templeton provided the flair. But Ian Black, not in a, a kind of stature, but in a way that he played the game, um, he, he just not no frightened, not frightened whatsoever. Um, these players, Egger Jonsson again, who put his body on the line. Ruben Palazuelos, a very silky footballer, but could also mix it. He wouldn't be the first one in there. But it, that that team that he put together, certainly for that game, um, I liked Kello as a goalkeeper as well. I thought he was a I thought he was a decent goalkeeper. And then you can bring on someone like Ryan Stevenson, who, again, is, is always... the protectors. There's a lot of protectors in there, a lot of physicality in there as well. And a decent bit of decent bit of skill as well. It's such a Jim Jeffrey side. That team, unlike the Hibs team, had an identity, didn't it? It most certainly did. Long from Boozid. Kyle wins it. Wycombe down onto Templeton. Oh, break for Elliott! 2-0 Hearts and the hero is Stephen Elliott. Played long towards Kevin Kyle. Templeton got the touch. Elliott was simply clinical. His first start, it's his first derby. It's his first Hearts goal. And Hearts lead at Easter Road by two goals to nil. And I think that it, it takes us perfectly actually talking about the identity of the team and the I guess the determination, the character in it, because three days late, later, uh, Celtic come to Tynecastle in Hearts' next game, and this is obviously Hearts' previous home game. They'd been destroyed by Kilmarnock, and here come Celtic into town, but obviously buoyed to a degree by the derby when Hearts started really positively in this game, and uh, I think it's less than thirty minutes in actually, free kick, thirty-five yards from goal. Um, Scatchell lays it off to Black, and we'll have a quick listen to that. Scatchel to Ian Black for Hearts. And Black shoves it to the front. And Hearts are in front. Daniel Mysonovic getting in the way. Ian Black will claim the goal. And it's all gone maroon. So yeah, Ian Black takes the free kick from Scatchel, goes round one man and smashes a goal words from about 30 yards. And to be fair, it takes a massive deflection um, on its way and loops over Fraser Forster, but it really set the tone. And um, Hearts had a real determination about that, about them that night, a real intensity about them. 
Uh, Joe Ledley got sent off 10 minutes into the second half for a challenge on Ian Black. Neil Lennon was sent to the stand for protesting it. And then moments later, Scatchell picks up on the left. It's the first red card that Craig Thompson has dished out in the SPL for 12 months. Scatchell for 11-man hearts. Templeton! Of course, get a cross goal and David Templeton slotted home to get the clinching second goal and give Hearts a, a really big victory. And I think, Mark, it was this game you're talking about, Jeffries as well. I believe it was this game that we had the clip of Jeffries who was in the stand um, singing away to the Hearts song. <laughs> yeah, just loving, loving life. Uh, something we've not been accustomed to over the, the last couple of years is an unchanged lineup. But this game against Celtic was was unchanged. The lineup was unchanged from the Hibs game. And, and Jim was like that. He, he loved momentum. And as long as there weren't any injuries, most of the time when his team got a good result, he would try and put the same team on the park. So to follow up the Hibs win um, was a tough game, but to follow up with a win over Celtic, and I have to say, it was a, it was a deserved win. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you play Celtic and you're hanging on, you get a, a late equaliser from Katongo or a late winner from from McCann, or you get the four nil game, which was was thoroughly deserved. But that was that was I'm not saying comfortable because it's never comfortable against Celtic just because of their history against us. And those of us of a certain vintage will remember the the cup semi final in in '88, um, the, the number of times they've they've scored late on to to deny us those even older than than I am will we'll remember if there's one team in Scotland that, that kind of always play to the whistle and the number of late goals that they score Celtic so when, even when you're 2-0 up and you think you're cruising and Hearts were pretty comfortable in that game after Templeton scored just before the hour there's always that kind of that kind of worry remember the Takis Fisas game <laughs> uh, when, when he gets sent off and you're thinking yeah we've got we've got a good chance here and then just something happens and everything changes but in that game that was comfortable, and, and we were on a good run at that stage. Yeah, momentum really started to build after after the Hibs and the Celtic game for Hearts, and there would be a, be a run actually of eleven games where they'd win ten, and they would draw just one. Uh, so there's the, the two two nil games we spoke about against uh, Hibs and Celtic. The same scoreline: Hearts beat St Johnston away, they beat Hamilton at home, they dismantled Aberdeen at at Tynecastle and a fantastic performance. Uh, Craig Brown and Archie Knox had just been appointed and they watched on from the stand. And they must have been wondering what they'd got themselves into at that point because Hearts won 5-0, Templeton scored a Scatchel double, uh, Stephen Elliott and Ardvidas Novikovas on the score sheet. They could grind out the wins as well though, Hearts. They got a win. It wasn't the prettiest victory away at Motherwell 2-1. Um, a slight slip up at home to Inverness, a 1-1 draw before a win away to St Mirren on the 29th of December, which took us to the end of 2010. Now, um, mm. up next, it was, a, it was a big one because on New Year's Day 2011, it was, as uh, we like to have it traditionally on New Year's Day, although 
doesn't always happen. It was the Edinburgh Derby, and Hearts then went into this game five behind second point second place Rangers, and just six off uh, top of the table Celtic. Although Celtic had two games in hand, um, Hibs struggling. They were still joint second bottom under Calderwood, but it was a tougher game than maybe Hearts fans were expecting, and. Although they were the better side, they couldn't find a way through for most of the match. And that was until the 86th minute when we get a terrific moment. This is Arvidas Novakovas taking it for a run down the left and a ball whipped into the box. And, well, let's, let's listen back to it now. Skatchel. Arvidas Novakovas. dribbler. Here, Novi Kovas and Kieran Curran! With four minutes to go, Hearts get the goal in the Edinburgh Derby that the play has merited. Look at the delight etched on the face of Kieran Kyle, who might well go down as the New Year's Day match winner. So fantastic scenes at Tynecastle as Kevin Kyle makes it four goals in four games and wins Hearts the Edinburgh Derby um, jubilation. Jim Jeffries is out there jumping into the stands, celebrating with fans. Kevin Kyle's piling in with the fans. Uh, hey Jude's ringing out. Um, and I wanted to focus briefly on Kevin Kyle because mm-hmm. this is actually that was his last goal for Hearts and he would only play one more game and that was the game that he went off injured in against St. Johnston in the Scottish Cup. And I'm going to speak about the Rangers game, which is without Kevin Kyle shortly, but the wheels really did come off largely down to this injury because the way that the way that Jeffries liked this team to play, which was direct and quick and physical, get the ball forward, have a, a focal point who could hold up, who could bring people into the game... It really relied on Kevin Kyle, and although he wasn't the most mobile, you know, before this injury that put him out for such a long time, it did really kill his career. He, of course, came back with Rangers and had, I think, a brief spell of the air as well. But it was a real shame because he was such a big player for Hearts in the, mm. the first half of that season, and a boyhood fan as well. Of Hearts, Kevin Kyle, yeah. Never knew that. Never knew them. Didn't know because you don't think a boy living in Stranraer, growing up there, would be a Hearts fan. Wow, every day is a school day. I've, I've probably heard it before, but no. I, I, wow, um, goodness. I liked him at Hearts. I remember when he, he, he won kind of a few Scotland caps um, many many years beforehand, and you always kind of thought a handful. And he done all right at Killy when we got him, um, and. There was obviously that goal against Hibs, which, funnily enough, I watched again today. Amoruso lets it run. The YouTube um, channel, he put a few tweets out about um, certain games, and, and that featured on it. Uh, the, the, the cross is a, a, a belter. And even now, you kind of think, oh, that's a tight angle, but he, he, he does well to to get it in. But he epitomised a Jim Jeffries side, um, leaving nothing out there. And it was... I remember watching that game... Um, I'd been pitched the night before at some casino. It was my first new year in, in the States and I watched it on a, a pal's couch. Um, and he just, 
as the title, it was one of these, you're at home, you're hoping to win, you keep looking at your watch, there's 10 minutes left, there's five minutes left, you're just like, ugh. Um, and then he scores, and I mean, that, that was just that deflated them. But he was a player who, he, he always gave everything, and he enjoyed being at the club. Um, I can't believe that's the first time I've heard that he's a Hearts supporter. I'm, hmm. I, I think I might be wrong with that, actually. Now that now that you've said that, you've put doubt in my head. Um, it's I don't know why I had that in my head that he was, but I think you. No, I think I think you might be. I think you might be right that I've got that wrong. I don't know. There's how... a piece. There's a piece in the evening news. I've just checked this from July 2018. An interview with Kevin doesn't say he was a Hearts fan. He says I always wanted to play for Hearts because they have such fantastic fans. Um. And this was it was oh they picked it up from from the Open Goal podcast that uh, he's part of with with Cy Ferry. Uh, both Craig Levine in his first spell as Hearts manager and Chaba Laszlo were keen on bringing Kyle to Tynecastle, but it wasn't until his former Kilmarnock boss Jeffries and assistant manager Billy Brown returned for his second spell at Tynecastle that he was signed. Um, his patience was tested. He had an offer from Aberdeen, from Mark McGee to go there. But he said to Sai, I had always wanted to go to Hearts for some reason. I was sitting thinking, when the fuck is Jim Jeffries going to phone me? He said, it's all up in the air at the moment. I need to speak to Romanov. I need to see what's going on. I was like, Billy, any chance of speaking to Jim? I'm fucking desperate to get to Hearts. Um, he added, it was class. If I'd started my career at Hearts and finished my career at Hearts, I'd have been happy with that. They were such fantastic fans. Um, and it was such a fantastic club. So maybe you based it on that. I had in my head, things. I've looked, yeah. apparently he was a Celtic fan, um, which is obviously very different. I, I don't know, I, I had it in my head, I didn't look, I, I, to be fair, I didn't look up and verify. I just saw it in my head. I remember when Kyle signed and I thought he'd said that he'd, he'd been a heart supporter or had followed him or something. But no, you're right. I think um, I think that was incorrect. So my apologies for that. But oh, a, just... No worries, no worries. To, to, to follow up again, this is um, this is how the, the the kind of signing Stephen Elliott came around. Um, Kyle, see your heart's rolling. Uh, born and bred, yeah. Mo Johnson, <laughs> Hearts fan, yeah. Arvidas Novikovas, Hearts. Pritchenko. I mean, he had posters of Alan McLaren on his wall when he was when he was growing up. Um, Kyle played a. Key, this is interesting. Kyle played a key role in the signing of Irish forward Stephen Elliott. He recalled. Jim's like, I'm gonna need, to, I'm gonna need to try and get you a wee striker to play alongside you. I said, Gaffer, I know the guy. Wee Stephen Elliott. I played with him at Sunderland. Great wee guy. Great for the dressing room. Cracking football player. I phoned him to say, I just got you a move to Hearts. Jim Jeffries is gonna phone you. Tell him you'd love to play with Big Kyle. <laughs> so that's interesting. And I would never have, I would never have kind of realised all that if you hadn't screwed up. So thank you for screwing up and admitting it. I like that. Very good. So yeah. Oh. You can imagine him growing up in deepest, darkest Stranoir and, and um, looking at his bus timetable to find out when the, the next bus to, <laughs> to Tynecastle is. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad because it's one of these. If I've gone 40-odd years of my life without kind of knowing that, it, you'd at least think it would have been heard about before. But I'm glad I stuck to my guns and didn't do the, well, yeah, that's right, and it's utter bullshit, but you just try and... Pull the rule over everyone's eyes. You try it sometimes, but yeah, you, you got it right. I this do. Time. I try it more often than than, <laughs> than sometimes, but um, I'm glad that we we got there in the end. So a big win for Hearts in the derby. Now, when 
we get to the 22nd of January. So when Hearts um, go into a game against Rangers, so they've they've beaten Hibs, they um, they beat Kilmarnock away from home 2-1. There is talk of, there's title talk, which hasn't happened since, <laughs> hadn't happened since 2005, 2006. And it, it was it was tentative title talk, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was one of these where I think we enjoyed the, the roller coaster, but it wasn't like 2005, 2006, where I think we felt we 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 have the quality here to do something. I think it felt like we had a really solid team, a well-drilled team with the right amount of flair, but, you know, 10 wins and a draw, it, it did feel like it was a purple patch, didn't it? It did. Looking at the league table after that game against Hibernian, you can understand the title talk, because if you just look at the points, you'll see Celtic on 42, Rangers on 41, and Hearts on 39. So we're definitely best of the rest after Celtic and Rangers by a, a, a fair distance. But then you look at games played, and Rangers two points more, but three games less than Hearts. Even Celtic had played a game fewer. Um, one of the things that I not kind of realizing it at the time, being over here and having a lot, kind of a lot, a lot on on the plate. I was a bit of a nomad at the time. I was a month in a hotel and then trying to find a house. So you're trying to pay attention. I was, I was trying to watch Hearts TV. Um, and I think it was Lawrence Brody who initially did the commentary um, on Hearts TV. But one of the things that now looking at, I didn't kind of realize at the time, Hearts had a lot of games called off because of a frozen pitch. Um, Motherwell away, Rangers away, Kilmarnock away, St Johnston at home in the Scottish Cup was was postponed first time round and then Dundee United away. So maybe a lot of the games that Rangers had to make up um, were due to, to frozen pitches as well. It must have been a bad winter in 2010. I do remember it being quite a cold one. and I remember a few of the away games, there was a bit of snow in the, in the midweek matches. Um but yeah, I'll take you to the 22nd of January because Hearts play Rangers and at that point, so it was Celtic on 49 points, Rangers on 47, Hearts on 42 and a win for Hearts would potentially put them two behind Rangers um, and keep them seven behind Celtic but with a game in hand over Celtic and I, I found an article from a friend of the show and I'll call him a regular now, he's been on a couple of times, Mr Ewan Murray who is at Tynecastle for this game and um, I'm going to read out some of what he said, which is, if snatching victory uh, from a game you barely deserve to win is the mark of genuine title contenders, people will sit up and take notice of hearts. The Edinburgh team now boasts a league record that shows 31 points garnered out of a possible 33. Their latest success over Rangers was in the very fortuitous style that both halves of the old firm have mastered for years. For that reason alone... It was eye-catching, and this was this game was it, it was crazy really because Rangers came out and the first half especially I remember Hearts were really battered in this game and we're, they're obviously lacking Kevin Kyle at this point and the solution to this was if you remember um, Ryan Stevenson who was largely a substitute for a lot of the season coming on um, was utilised as a as a makeshift striker mm. um, so. He was obviously involved in this game. Um, but Ewan actually highlights that, uh, again, I'll quote him here. He says, a tactical switch by Jeffries 11 minutes after the interval stemmed the flow. Uh, that, that was obviously Rangers attacking flow in the first half. 
In moving to a 4-4-2 from a 4-2-3-1 formation, Hearts, uh, the Hearts manager prompted a more fluid approach. Lee Wallace, a terrific attacking left-back, was also given more space in which to roam. Lee Wallace being back, fit and back in the team now. So let's have a, a quick listen back because um, 77 minutes in is the pivotal moment in this game. Stephen Elliott and here's Lee Wallace. Wallace has done really well here. Stephen Elliott waiting. minutes and not have a shot on target this is the first one and my goodness it counts Scatchell looking for the penalty and then he gets the shot away and when this ball comes into the goal Rangers are claiming for offside here Elliot gets it away but it's Whittaker on the right back position he plays them on you see Whittaker taking up that position Stevenson getting right into the danger area takes two touches his second one is absolutely vital the man who started the game as a makeshift striker scores after moving back into midfield you couldn't make it up could you so yeah 13 minutes to go at Tynecastle. Lee Wallace does brilliantly well on the left to get away from his man cuts it back to Stephen Elliott um, sort of mishits a shot I think sklaff is the technical term mm. uh, on target and the ball fortuitously it falls to Ryan Stevenson who can control and just stab it home from five or six yards and again it's jubilation around Tynecastle the place is um, in absolute delirium and when the full-time whistle goes for that game I do remember that was for me certainly the first time that I actually made myself or allowed myself to think Christ maybe we Maybe we could do something with this whole title challenge, because it was a very, it was a very old firm type of win. You know, don't don't play that well. Maybe you, you don't create many chances, but you manage to nick the game, and it's what we'd felt so many times, time and time again, from from Rangers and, and maybe more so Celtic. It feels like for me, but um, it did feel a bit different. Yeah. Um... After the game, we're only a couple of points behind Rangers and, and they've not won all their games in hand. They've only played one one game fewer. I'll be honest, I haven't seen the, the, the goal uh, again, um, like the, the Kevin Kyle header. Um, I'm, not, I'm not convinced I remember what it was like. What I do remember from that game was Marion Kello, I think. Was he not man of the match? Oh, he, had a, he was fantastic. He was yeah. brilliant in in that game. Um, and it's funny how nothing your mind plays tricks on you, but some things when you're asked to remember to remind remember, you you pick out certain things for that game. Again, I'll probably see the goal and go. No, I still don't remember it, but I remember a whole host of Marion Kello saves in that one. Oh, it was, um, it was one-way traffic. I mean, we we were better in the second. Especially half, the the, fir- the first half was was kind of one-way traffic, if I remember rightly. Um, but over the, I mean, I'm just thinking back now when, when, and I like doing these kind of seasonal reviews because there can be times where everything just rolls into one and it's only highlights of, of like cup finals or, or cup semifinals or, or whatever that kind of make things stand out. So to kind of go back, not intrinsically, um, but to, to go back and kind of talk about certain games 
in a season. There is a, a kind of similarity here. We've we've spoken about the start to the season. This season wasn't the best. There's a little bit of a similarity between this season and up up to this point, up to this point, mid-January and an 85-86. Because we started 85-86 off. Yeah. We were horrific. Lost 6-2 at, at St. Mirren, drew at home to Dundee. Then we kind of, that was the kind of start, even though it didn't, we didn't know that at the time. That was the start of something. And it's just that momentum. Obviously, the, the momentum lasted until the, the final game of the season in 85-86. But I know we're oh, mid to, to kind of end of, of January after the Rangers game. And it's not until you look back and you kind of get annoyed now at that St. Johnston Cup defeat because yeah. we were flying we were flying at the time and I think I mentioned about the frozen pitches the game was played on a Tuesday night they scored late on there wasn't really that much time for us to to kind of get back into it um, and to, to be able to to be honest to be able to bounce back from that that cup defeat against St. Johnston with the win at Kilmarnock and then that victory over over Rangers it was kind of similar um, to, to to what happened earlier um, in the campaign um, back in, in 2010 when we obviously lost at home to Kilmarnock but bounced straight back. That was another one of, of Jeffrey's team's traits. I don't know if it was it was something that he preached to them. It's done, forget about it, move on. But the, the kind of amnesia aspect of putting something that was poor or, or a bad memory or a poor performance to one side and to, to go again they did that quite a lot that season, and and that was just another trait of of Jim Jeffries' team. The, the Rangers' win was when it really peaked for for Hearts that season because the wheels would come off. And at Celtic, uh, we played Celtic at Celtic Park on the twenty sixth of January, a four 0 defeat that really brought Hearts um, back down to earth. There was defeat at Ibrox shortly after, and the, the title dream, if it ever was there, was. Really, I guess, dead in the water at that point. Um, 19th of February, beat Dundee United at Tyne Castle, which seemed to basically cement third, even with 12 games remaining, putting them 18 points clear of nearest challenger Killy, although Dundee United had four games in hand and could, in theory, cut the gap to 13 points. Um, but it was a, a dismal end to the season, really, because it was one win in 12 league matches to end the season. Um, that one win was at Tyne Castle in March. Uh, ended the season on a winless run of eight, and that included losing a three-goal lead at home to Motherwell, uh, plus another 4-0 battering in Glasgow, this time to Rangers. Ultimately, really, that poor end to the season would spell the end for Jeffries, albeit he kept his job until the start of the following season, where he was um, removed and not quite as swiftly replaced as he came in, but Paolo Sergio came in pretty soon after. Um, so Hearts finished third that campaign, but eventually just two points ahead of Dundee United, which is crazy because yeah. they were they were 25 points ahead of them when they beat them in that game at Tynecastle, And they ended up being 30 points behind eventual winners Rangers and 29 points behind second place Celtic. Um, I, I mean, we spoke about it. I mean, it was a team that was that had a lot of positives about it. It was a, a well-drilled group, the solid, dependable, you know, Buzid, Morovic, Webster when he returned in January. He did have a bit of quality, and I thought Egert Jonsson, as you mentioned, was a good player. Kelo was a 
cracking keeper. Scatchel obviously could score from anywhere. Palisuelos was a bit of was had a bit of class about him. You had the the characters, the the determination of the black Kyle yeah, Stevenson, Elliot as well. A bit of flair, Templeton, Suso, and what Ryan McGowan said to us before about Manny Salukas, maybe a big appointment by Jeffries making him captain because he said he really helped um, gel the kind of foreign players and the, the British players or the, the home nation players, which was I assume was key in that team because there were still a lot of nationalities on the go there. So a big team, but I think they, the way Jeffries played when, when Kyle was out, although Stevenson worked very hard and did an admirable job, uh, you know, did well at covering. He just wasn't the same when Kyle was yeah, out, I think. Yeah, and, that, and that, that, that's a good point. And I think that's the key point because we were very streaky that season. Um, we didn't really play that well or get good results. Really up until Rudy came in and, and once he got his, his goal-scoring boots back on, we then had this, this, this kind of spell pretty much all the way through to when, to when Kevin Kyle got hurt. Um, and he played his last game in the, the cup tie against St. Johnson. Didn't last an hour. And it, it's when you look at the goal scorers for the remainder of the season for Hearts. I mean, Stephen Elliott, who was a good servant, really good servant to Hearts, but he wasn't an out-and-out striker. He was like a second striker. He, yeah. He, 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 he played off the, the striker. Ryan Stevenson got the winner against Rangers playing in a striker's role. Um, if Scatchell or Elliott didn't score, I mean, there's a goal from Marius. Um, Stevenson again, uh, Craig Thompson scored. That, that's about it, Gary Glenn in the last game of the season. We didn't have a focal point. So I, I just wonder if, if Kevin had been able to stay fit. I never really got the impression, even after that win over Rangers, I never kind of thought we could win the title here. Not like, uh, Going way back, we drew two all against Hibbs. Andy Walker kind of scored. That Was that... Uh, Oh five, oh six. No, no, no. Andy Walker would have been way before that. <laughs> he would have been in the stand. Commentary. Goodness me, yeah. Andy Walker's a wanker from the Hearts fans. Yeah, um, he used to love, he used to love that because we used to sit beside Radio Fourth um, commentary position was right beside the Radio Clyde commentary position. And before Andy did stuff for Sky, he was working for Radio Clyde, and he knew he was going to get get it tight. I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight that year um, when Andy Walker. Uh, scored, uh, I think he got a couple in the, the, the New Year derby, I think. Um, and that season, I kind of thought, hey, we've got a right chance here. We've got a right chance of doing something here. 05 06 um, would have been the other one with the start that we had, and we'll forever have that what if, would they or wouldn't they, could they or couldn't they. But since then, it's never really been that kind of season. Like those two that you thought we've got a right chance here, and this was probably the the, the third of those three um, in which we were pretty competitive. But again, when it's too easy to say Kyle's injury was the was was the reason for her Hearts' downturn in fortune, but it left us short. And the fact that he got injured, let's have a look. Uh, the cup tie against St Johnston. Um, it was probably, again, I'm, I'm, I'm surmising here, it was probably the case. We didn't know at the time it was going to be his last ever game um, for Hearts. If we had, the transfer window was still open. Was there money available around that time? I don't know. Um, 
I mean, when you look at some of Jim's signings, it wasn't money that was spent. It was it was kind of freebies and and kind of more experienced players. So if we'd been able to bring someone in um, to replace Kevin Kyle, if we'd known that he wasn't going to play again, then maybe we would have. Well, I think we would have ended the season better, but I don't think we would ever have got uh, got close. I, th- I think what would have happened that season is we wouldn't have finished two points clear of Dundee United in, in third. We would have finished comfortably in third because we wouldn't have gone on a run near the end of the season that, that saw us only win the the one game between February and, and the end of the season. Indeed, that was season twenty ten. 2011. Mm. Now to finish up, I've got a wee five question season 2010-2011 quiz oh, for you. I need, I need to bounce back from, from the last one because I've done alright with your quizzes but that, yeah. that last one was a disappointment. I thought I, the questions were really good. This one, I think I've made this one hopefully I've actually given a multiple choice for all of them apart from one where you've got a selection of answers you can give me. So um, like before, what we'll do, so it's a quick quiz, and if you're listening, you can play along. So I'll go through each question. I'm going to give you an A, B, or a C for the first four, and then the last one, there it's not multiple choice. You've just got multiple answers to give. Um, I'm going to so, I'm going to give you a quiz after your quiz to me. Oh, based it, on, based on based on this season as well. Oh, oh Christ! Oh nervous about that right so um we might not have time for that but we'll go through this one yes we will have time i'll make sure because i'm not going to stop talking until we do that Twenty ten, twenty eleven yes. quiz. Uh, question number one. Yes. Five players scored their first competitive goal for Hearts that season. Yep. Kevin Kyle. Mm-hmm. Ryan Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Stephen Elliott. Craig Thompson, and one other. And I'll give you three options. So was it A. Ardvidas Novikovas, B. Egert Jonsson or C Suso Santana. So five players. Can I answer, or do I have to wait until no, the five questions? Wait, to be wait till the end. I'll go through after. Okay. So five players. Um, yep. And which one did I not name okay. there? So Novikovas, Jonsson, or Suso. Question number two. In the opening game of the season, Hearts drew one all with St Johnston at Tynecastle. Hearts went ahead in the forty-fourth minute when. Someone headed in a Lee Wallace cross at the near post before St Johnston replied immediately. Who scored the opener for Hearts? Was it A. Callum Elliott? So it's Callum Elliott, not Stephen. B. Kevin Kyle. Or C. Marius Zaliukas. Question three. How many goals did Rudy Scatchell score that season. Ooh, that's a good one. A, 11, B, 13, or C, 19? Number four. What squad number did Ryan Stevenson wear for Hearts that season? Was it A, number seven, 
B number 10 or C number 16. So that's what number did Ryan Stevenson wear in season 2010-2011. Okay, final question. So this is a bit of a different one. Hearts ended the season with a 2-1 defeat at Tannadice on the 15th of May. Ryan McGowan's third start, incidentally, for Hearts. Um, can is that our weekly Ryan McGowan mention? Because he always, he becomes a diva. He's like, you don't need to speak about me this week. <laughs> can you? Yes, basically. Can you name the five players in the United Match Day squad that day who have played for or managed Hearts either before or after? So at some point in time, they've either played or managed Hearts. So this is people who were in the Match Day squad for Dundee United in that game. Okay. So I'm fi- confident. I'm, I'm so confident. there's five. Yes. Can you... Fire away. See what you see. How many you can get? Do, will, will we begin at number one? Oh yeah. Sorry, we'll come back at that. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Wow. Keep, keep me right today. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's five players in the Dundee United matchday squad who have this isn't number one played or managed Hearts. And I'm just repeating the last question. Oh. Okay. Um. Before or oh, after? So at some point in their career, they've either played for or managed Hearts. Can you name the five? But we will, we will go back through the answers. So, yes, yes, the answers to the quiz. Start at question one. So, five players scored their first competitive goal for Hearts mm-hmm. in that season, 2010-2011. Kevin Kyle, Ryan Stevenson, Stephen Elliott, Craig Thompson, and one other. Was it A, Ardvidas Novikovas, B, Egert Jonsson, or C, Suso Santana? Novikovas. Correct. Yes, Arvidas Novikovas in a 4-0 win over Elgin City in the League Cup at Tynecastle in August 2010. Something I wanted to point out, by the way, that the, the sorry, the, the the week that I didn't have the best quiz. When the hell did you decide to introduce the family fortune? <laughs> <laughs> Honest, that was cheeky someone messaged me that and go that was funny I enjoyed that and then I listened eventually got around to listening to it I was like you bastard I'll do it again this week sorry oh, no you're not because I'm going to get five at... How, how's it already started I haven't got anything wrong and I'm not I'm no well the sound effects have started oh okay because you, you this, that's post yeah. post edit yeah so can special, I get a... special effects yeah ding. can you what can you get the the, the bing Yes, you can. Um, okay, question two. In the opening game of the season, Hearts drew 1-1 with St. Johnston at Tynecastle. They went ahead in the 44th minute when someone headed in a Lee Wallace cross at the near post before St. Johnston replied immediately. Who scored that goal? Was it A, Callum Elliott, B, Kevin Kyle, or C, Marius Zaliukas? Plum. Yes. It was A, Callum Elliott. This is before you've left, so you'll, you'll have a photographic memory yeah, of this. Was pen, that was my penultimate home commentary. There you go. There we go. Two out of two. Question three. How many goals did Rudy Scatchell score that season in 2010-2011? Mm, was it A, 11, B, 13, or C, 19? If we'd played St Mirren more, it would have been C. But because we didn't <laughs> play them more, it's B. Correct. B13 is the correct answer. Question four. 
can he go for a clean sweep today? What squad number did Ryan Stevenson wear for Hearts that season? Was it A7, B10, or C16? Suso was 7. Mm-hmm. Sleeves, Stephen Elliott was 10. And Ryan yep. Stevenson was 16. Correct, indeed. Um, by a process of elimination, uh, it's Ryan Stevenson who would get number 7 when he came back for his second spell. But that season, in 2010-2011, he wore number 16. Okay, final question. So, Hearts ended the season with a 2-1 defeat at Tanadice on the 15th of May. Uh, can you name the five players in the Dundee United squad who have either played for or managed Hearts at some point? Yes, I think I can. Um, the two... African players in midfield, Prince Boabin and Morgaro Gomis. Yep, that's two. Uh, the goalkeeper, Steve Banks, because he was mm-hmm. on the bench yep. that day. Scott Severin played. Mm-hmm. And John Daly, who coached Hearts. Is that five? Yeah, I'm suspicious. Are you cheating with this one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could lie, but I'm, no, I don't like liars. I, I've got it on London Hearts. Oh well, I mean that tape, yeah. Okay. Five out of five. There's, unless there's a small print that says no cheating allowed. Well, I, I don't thought that normally. Was, I thought that was just assumed that there would be no. Well, unless there's a video camera in here. Um, I mean, no, my uh, my curveball I thought was John Daly because he did manage Hearts, but he was interim yeah, manager of Hearts. Yeah, and yeah but, scored but, the winner like, that day actually. But when you, this is like the kind of secrets for little quizzes. When you, if you just said four players or or whatever, but when you say players or managers or whatever, then it, it can only be because Severin was never. Um, it's like if you ever get in a multiple choice quiz, if you ever get an answer where one of the choices is all of the above. It is always all of the above. Uh, there were loads of those in the citizenship test that we did, and you were just desperate because it, it, it's a multiple choice um, test to begin with, but then the real one isn't. But anytime you get an all of the above, it is an all of the above. Okay, I have a return qu- quiz for you, which we'll try and do a little bit quicker. Um, okay. Four of the questions... And you're not allowed to use London Hearts because I hate people who cheat. <laughs> Four of the questions are to do with opposition goal scorers against Hearts oh. that season. What? Okay. What? 2010-2011? 2010-2011. Oh, I thought you were going to give me a quiz in this season. Why? The whole podcast has been about 2010-2011. Okay. Oh, Christ. You expect me to? Okay. Well, you were there. You were... You were... You'd sold your Brelli flag and not paid your pals that paid for it by then. So you, I take it you were just in the stands with a, with a, with your season ticket that year, were you in, not? In 2010-2011, I was in the stands. I don't think I actually had a season ticket. I was still uh, I was still at uni that year, so I didn't I, okay. I didn't go every week, but I went fairly regularly. Okay. Question one: mm-hmm. Which player was on the bench for Hearts that day? As an unused sub, and never actually played a game for the football club. What 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 game was that? It's a Dundee United game, final one of the season. Oh, see, I was looking at this game or the list, the team lists 
earlier. So she, um, never played a game for the club at all. Nope. Nope. He was not Scottish. Or is not. He's not dead. I hope he's not dead. How <laughs> about check? Um, um, never played a game for the club. No. Not Scottish. Was on the bench. I'm going to assume it's mm-hmm. a youngster of some kind. Yep. Um, 2011. Uh, striker. 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 He, striker. He, he was he was not born in the same country as the nation he went on to represent at under twenty one level. <laughs> what? Um, what? I, I really don't know. Without cheating, was, I don't know. He was born in England, played for Wales under 21s. Oh, Rob o- Ogle, Ogleby. Ogle, is Very that good? Ogleby. Do you know why yeah, I remember but... him? Because did he no. not have a... Was there not a cocaine incident at some point? Oh, oh. Not at hearts. Don't... Maybe later? May, oh, no, actually, I think it might have been. I think it might have been... Maybe? Um, I don't. I, I'm not. I don't want to say anything without checking it. But I think it might have been another player who was more. Jesus Christ! Of... I, I think that's an edit. Um, he went on to play for Livingston. Did play twelve times. No, no. For look, I'll, I'll throw this. I'll throw this in here. See, so yeah, although I couldn't remember it first of all until you gave me. Um, Hearts footballer Robert Ogilby's drug charges dropped. So he he was accused of possessing a class A drug, but it was dropped. Um, fellow Hearts player Ian Black was arrested at the same time he appeared in court last month. So yeah. it, there there was an incident. That's all I said, okay. and that's that. There was that's anyway. Continue. So that was that was a tough one to begin with. The 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 next four are all opposition goal scorers against Hearts in twenty twenty uh, twenty ten. 2011. Okay. Okay. Yep. The first one, and you just need to tell me the team. You don't need to tell me the game. Ricardo Vaz Hebs. 2 2 game. Ding. Yeah. 2 2 game at Easter Road. Okay. Kieran Agard. Kilmarnock. Um, in a 2 1 Hearts victory where Stephen Elliott scored twice. Uh, I think uh, you, you got it right. It was a two-all game. The two-one game when Stephen oh. Elliott scored twice um, was Rui Miguel, who would have been one of my ah. others. So thanks for screwing that up. <laughs> so you did get that right. It was a two-all game near the end of the season. So you're two from three. That was impressive. I'll give you that. Um, the next one is Greg Halford. Oh, I recognise that name. Greg Halford. Halford. Greg. Oh, that was nice. That was my thinking sound. Um... Sounds like a big, a big smoochy kiss. <laughs> so who was in the league that season? Samirin Motherwell, Kilmarnock, Aberdeen. Was it Motherwell? Uh-oh. Oh, wolves in a preseason friendly. Oh, come on! What? That didn't give you the come on! No, 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 no. That's oh, outrageous. You're too, you're too cocky. Um, so that's four. Your final one, Eric Odiambo. 
Oh. Oh, I know. Inverness. Inverness Cali. Yeah. Very good. That was impressive. That was, that was pretty good. Um, so you end up with three out of five, <laughs> which is not five out of five. But, well, um, I mean, I, I, I did. Don't suppose you were cheating. I got the first one. I mean, you gave me clues. No, it was good. I did was... get it, and I even told you a controversial you story. One. You didn't get the first one. You need honestly. I, the only thing I, I didn't say was his name. I gave you everything else, so you're not getting. That doesn't count. But now I feel bad because you're pretty lenient to me. So <laughs> we'll, we'll ask. We'll ask. And you still you. cheat. Anyway, that's fine. No, that was that was good. That was just this week. So I'll tell you what. The next time we do that. When you choose a season and we look back on, um, you give me a quiz and I'll do I'll do a similar quiz um, for you okay. about the, the scorers against Hearts that season. David Silva scored against Hearts that season. Did you know that? I did not. I would never have. I would never have got that. Uh, for Kilmarnock, obviously not the same one. Who's this kid? David Silva was he another? Was he a Spanish kid? Portuguese. Never heard of him. Wow. Uh, yeah, don't remember him. But anyway, that was that was good fun. Um, hopefully, yeah. if you joined in, you maybe got a few of the questions right as well. And hopefully you enjoyed our little look back at season 2010-2011. We might have a another one or two of these before next season kicks off. Of course, um, we've got the Premier Sports Cup starting on the 10th of July as oh, we go back to Peterhead. I'm going to I'm going to leave you with a supplementary question 5A. Okay? <laughs> the half brother of which famous Premier League player was an unused sub for Kilmarnock against Hearts when Mixu Patalion was in charge. On Saturday, the 5th of March, 2011, when Kelly completed the double, the Tynecastle double, over Hearts. The half-brother ha- half of... of which very famous Premier League, English Premier League player, was an unused sub for Kilmarnock that day as they won 2-0 at Hearts. Half-brother. Hmm. And do you know what? If anybody, if any listener gets this, I will be really impressed. Does Kyle Walker have a brother? Half brother? No, I'm, I'm talking really famous. Oh, More really? famous globally than, than Kyle Walker. I've no idea. Half brother. It's the half brother of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Oh. W- Willie Aubameyang was on the bench but unused oh, for Kilmarnock that day. There you go, you can have that for free. Anyway, yeah, it's trivia-tastic this week. Thanks for tuning in if you've made it this far. Um, hopefully you <laughs> uh, appreciated the nostalgia and the and the, the quizzes, plural, this week. Um, we'll be back next week with, with something else to hopefully fill an hour and a bit of your time. And Until then, um, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>